0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangeley, and with me as always is my co-host and Rangeley's founder, Chris DeMuth. It is April 1st, and today we're going to start by wrapping up the Starwood Marriott saga before diving into Tesla's Model 3 and then talking about our favorite April Fool's jokes, particularly financial jokes. Uh, So Chris, why don't you start by getting us up to speed on the Starwood Marriott drama?
1: Well, Marriott is in the process of buying Starwood, ticker Mm -hmm. H-O-T. There was an interloper, always one of my favorite words, interloper, (laughs) uh, and unsolicited a bid from Anbang of the People's Republic of China. And they abruptly walked away yesterday.
0: Yep. So I I think this was draw-dropping news because uh, Anbang and Starwood had been in talks for several days. Starwood had come out and said... Anbang's new proposal is going to, is likely to lead to a superior proposal, which means we're probably going to break it off with Marriott and go with Anbang. And all of a sudden, if uh, the news reports are to believe, Anbang just sent Starwood an email. They went dark for 40 hours and just sent Starwood an email and said... Hey guys, we're walking away. Thanks for playing. See you later. And now Starwood's back with Marriott.
1: This, this is a good example of the phenomenon. I think it's true with relationships, definitely in M&A, that if you don't quite know what's going on it's very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that specificity <laughs> means health in deals and uh, uh, an analogy I've used for this in the past, but suffice to say, if you don't know what's going on, it's probably not something good.
0: Having dated a few girls in my time, I can say, like, when you, when you send a message or two and you don't get a response back, it's always a bad thing, and the same applies to, the same thing applies to multi-billion dollar hotel merchants. It's not a lack of
1: data that is data.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, I think uh, what we really want to talk about here is... The key takeaways from this, Mm -hmm. and we started talking about this a little bit with the Affymetrix, Thermo Fisher, Origin deal the other day. But the key thing is people are really going to be pushing back on Chinese mergers, Chinese buyers. In Affymetrix's case with Origin, they said, hey, Origin, all your money's coming from Chinese backers. That's great, but we're a $1.5 billion company. Put up $500 million to guarantee this deal goes through or else we're walking. In Anbang's case, Starwood said, hey – this is a $15 billion merger. Put up a billion plus to guarantee the deal goes through. And Anbang was apparently going to do that, but the fact they disappeared kind of at the last second is going to leave buyers super, he- sellers super hesitant to sell to Chinese companies going forward. So, uh, Chris, what are some companies that you think this could have some implications for? You know, there
1: are a couple examples. The big one in my mind is Terex, uh, ticker T E X. Mm -hmm. Uh, It uh, originally was in a cross border stock for stock merger of equals to be acquired by. Uh, uh, uh Finland. Uh, it trades for about $24 a share and it has another Chinese interloper. Uh, and uh, it's in the process of dealing with that right now. It's down 3% or so uh, today on concerns, probably in part driven by M-Banglock. By
0: yeah. so it was down 3% today because in the stock market, a tradition, a thing is if something happens, you know, if something bad happens in healthcare, all the healthcare names kind of sell off in kind. We've seen that with Valiant a lot recently. Is that right? Every, everything just sells off in kind, even whether or not it has something to do with it. But in Terex and ZoomLine's case, I just wanted to point out, it's interesting there, uh, Terex and Zone Cranes did a deal, a stock-for-stock merger of equals, which is kind of an oxymoron, but stock-for-stock merger of equal deals. And at the time, Terex's shares were valued at $30 per share. And over the past six months or so, equity markets had been weak, volatile, especially uh, kind of cyclical stocks really sold off. So ZoomLine came in with a huge premium to where Terex's shares were trading at. But if you looked, ZoomLine offered $30 per share, which is kind of what Terex was trading at to begin with mm-hmm. before every, all the shares sold off. And that's very much what happened with Starwood Marriott. Mm-hmm. Starwood Marriott, the deal was originally about 75 per share. Marriott shares sold off, so Starwood shares sold off. And uh An had come in and said, hey, we'll, we'll pay 76 in cash.
1: You know, I don't know if we've ever had on our podcast one of the warning labels, so I'll just call it BS mm-hmm. to be careful here. But mergers of equals – it's a, I was going to say the same well, thing. It is BS, and you're probably going to be lied to more if that's what they're starting with. Uh, but in this case, uh, what's interesting is you know the original deal was kind of blah, a merger of equals. It's usually a, I want stuff, but I don't want to have to pay I don't want to pay a premium. <laughs> so no premium. Things yeah. I'm going to give you these nice words instead of money. Um, I've always been partial to money, but other people like the nice words. Uh, it was kind of uh, very approximately kind of a 9x Uh, uh, nine times. uh, Nine Uh, times multiple, yeah. Nine times multiple. Um, But by the time, since it's stock for stock, uh, you know, a few bucks uh, down later, it was only paying six times. Mm -hmm. So that when... Uh, So when the Chinese interloper came in at 9.6 times and then bumped Mm -hmm. it to 9.7, wouldn't have been worth the bother originally, but after it got pasted, it gave them some space to uh, walk in.
0: Exactly. The only other thing I'll say on mergers of equals is their history as a whole is horrible. Either you say it's a merger of equals and then you come in and you fire everyone on the other side, Mm -hmm. or if you don't, the merger goes horribly because there are no synergies, there's no cost cutting, no one knows who's the boss and who they should report to history is terrible mm-hmm. unless you have anything else there let's jump to Tesla Model three let me give one last
1: sentence which is contractually there are ways to solve these problems I've dealt in the past quite a bit with doing adjudication in Stockholm mm-hmm. you can use the courts there and where you can just put the money in escrow these are problems they're solvable problems
0: great uh, sounds good on to Tesla Model three Tesla Okay, so I'll start and you jump in whenever you want. Sure. Uh, Elon Musk announced the Model Three last night. It mm-hmm. uh, looks incredible. I, you know, it's completely futuristic. It's amazing. Uh, in the past 24 hours, they've taken about 180,000 pre-orders for the vehicle. And to put that in perspective, Infinity sold 134,000 vehicles in all of the U.S. in 2015. So 180,000 is huge. Uh, the average pre-order price so far has been about 42,000 dollars. Once you include all the uh, upsells and everything. So that's about $7.5 billion in revenue in 24 hours. And a pre-order requires about a $1,000 deposit. So Chris, we've got a lot of stuff we can talk about here. We can go talk about... uh, Tesla versus the dealers in New Jersey, or we can talk about uh, being pre-orders. Which would you like to talk about?
1: I, I, I'm from Connecticut, so I kind of uh, look down in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think this is a good opportunity to uh, discuss why one should do so.
0: Okay, great. So we've talked a little bit before about ridiculous licensing requirements on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about having to have you know people who cut hair licensed and everything, and how it's basically just a form of boosting economic rents for uh for the entrenched parties well in 48 states it's illegal for a manufacturer to sell uh automobiles direct to consumers and economic studies say that this forced middleman adds about six percent to car prices Mm -hmm. in new jersey in 2014 uh tesla tried to sell directly to consumers and they faced huge pushback from first car dealers and eventually the new jersey governor chris christie and this led to uh elon Musk. Comparing local car dealers to a Mafia protection racket. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Why are car dealers pushing back so hard on Tesla selling directly to consumers? Well, because
1: they can. I mean, the idea of banning your competition is one that I think most people <laughs> would would be happy doing. Uh, the, the, car dealers and real estate agents are the two, you know, uh, really powerful local political forces. They're just rent seekers. Uh, incidentally, skimming six per, 6% seems like the amount that you skim when you're skimming money from uh, your so customers.
0: Chris knows I'm currently looking for an apartment in New York, and I can promise they are skinning much more than 6 Six percent from me. So. But it's you
1: know five to ten seconds of Google work for you know for mid five figures every million dollars you spend is is a little bit preposterous, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's just a kind of um, situation they've been able to come in, and it's so unjustifiable, which is why they have to fight. With politics, yep. uh, and um, if uh, if politics is a force on behalf of envy, uh, that these guys are really uh, using a force uh, on behalf of envy against Tesla. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when you can, you usually put this in a national security guise, which is a little bit weak <laughs> here. Uh, if you can't say national security, say you know your customers are confused. Yeah. You know, the idea you know that you'd you pay
0: forty instead of fifty or sixty thousand dollars. You know, it's going to unsettle people. on uh, paying market prices. In, in this case they put it into oh well if Tesla sells like it, they're probably not going to offer service to service. these these customers. Like, what about these poor customers? How are they going to get their cars fixed? Yeah. And you know, you can look at Apple offers pretty good service, <laughs> and they they sell directly to consumers. Also,
1: mechanics and other people are willing to contract. I mean, this is this is, the market has a solution for that problem.
0: So I, I think that's all exactly correct. New Jersey did eventually cave and allow Tesla to open up to four sales ownerships and required them to open a service center. But uh, I had two big takeaways from this. The first is. You know, If this had happened in the 60s, there's no way Tesla could have done this, right? Correct. The political pushback would have come, and there was no media. There would have been no public outroar. But now we're seeing a lot of new tech is able to disrupt these. I think of Uber versus New York City, Mayor de Blasio, and the taxi industry a couple of years. You can really round up consumers and get consumer outrage very quickly that causes this old guard to kind of fade. And uh, I also wonder if a lot of stable industries that a lot of value investors have traditionally loved – Loved are prone to economic disruption like this. I'll just mention Warren Buffett bought the uh, auto dealership Bantoli Group and renamed it the Berkshire Automotive Group in 2015. And I wonder you know, it's very clear that their auto dealerships are subsisting on this kind of political protection. Are those dealerships? kind of prone to the Tesla model going forward.
1: The, the worst day for rent seekers in history that I know of has been the anti-Uber strikes, where all these people said, we won't take you across town, because there are these other people who, for a small fraction of the price, will give you a much more pleasant experience in a clean vehicle, and get them there if you call this number. Yeah. And there's a surge. <laughs> yes.
0: in, uh, Here's the number that we don't want <laughs> yeah. you to call, and we won't drive you, because if you call this number, it'll be cheaper. Great. Uh, let's see. We I have some thoughts on investing in Tesla, but I think we want to get to our April Fool's joke. So why don't we talk investing in Tesla next time? Very good. And we'll go to our April Fool's show unless you
1: feel any feel otherwise. Uh, No, uh, I think that that uh, sounds good to
0: me. I'm feeling like April Fools. (laughs) It would have been great if we had said April Fools. We're talking Tesla valuation, but we'll do that next time. Uh, Before we get (laughs) our our our
1: first five-hour podcast,
0: (laughs) before we go to our April favorite April Fools jokes, uh, just a quick request: if you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you already follow us, the way to make sure we keep taping these podcasts is to rate us. It means a lot to us. So April Fools jokes, Chris. Uh, We've seen a ton today. I think um, my least favorite was Netflix. said they were going to put out a Star Wars original series, and I was so excited. And so I thought, why don't you tell us your favorite from today?
1: Yeah, a lot of humor is actually better than reality. Corporate humor is in this really weak situation where they have to be appropriate. And worrying about being appropriate while you're worrying about being funny doesn't work at the same time. You just have to keep going no matter what. Um, I think my second favorite that I'll mention was Open Table. I thought was quite good. Uh, Open Table taste. You could lick your phone for the mobile app and get a flavor for the different restaurants you can order from. Just
0: Um, to be clear, that was a joke. If you look at your phone, it's probably not going to taste too... What was your favorite? My my
1: favorite really was Google and uh, Google's uh, introducing Gmail mic drop. The joke was funny-ish. The phenomenon it created was just wildly funny, and this really says a lot about one's character. It proves, actually, scientifically, that I'm a horrible person. I I thought what happened was much funnier than what they
0: tried to do. So, just Google mic drop. It was it replaced or put a button right next to send that when you press send would add a, uh, a a video of a minion. Dropping a mic Which is just a hilarious video but what happened was, go ahead, you tell it and, and And to be clear,
1: the feature, which I really was excited about, uh, it would, the feature actually, it allows you to send a response and then you do not see any <laughs> subsequent responses to what you write. Because you archived it, it's that's It's the last idea. word. It's the last word. And so this was a good joke. It was a good-ish joke, not the funniest thing in the world. The funniest thing in the world was what happened. Uh, countless people uh, had these model claims of you know job interviews gone awry, been in talks for three months. It and then they sent a note to HR. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and to all that you out there, if you didn't get a job because of this, it was not somebody you want to work for, anyways. Um, the best, though, and again, this is this is the really best. in the you're a horrible person <laughs> if you're a horrible person. Um, and this will really tell if you think this is funny. You was know, you know somebody said, you know you know uh, announcing deaths and funeral
0: arrangements, <laughs> and you just were. on I'm so sorry. Mic, Mic drop. drop. Great. Well, because this is a financial podcast, I just wanted to take uh, it into a way that it will teach individual investors a way they might be able to think about taking advantage of, uh, of these types of things. So my favorite one in 2015 was Tesla put out an April Fool's joke announcing the Model W. And if you read the April Fool's joke, it was clearly they were announcing they were releasing a watch. It was an April Fool's joke designed to kind of make fun of uh, that, all this hype for the Apple Watch. But they put their release out at 355, and computers and algos reading the release thought they were putting out a new were basically putting out the Model 3 they announced yesterday, and they sent Tesla stock up by 1%, which isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, but it does make a difference. It went up by 1% for a minute, stayed there for a couple minutes, and fell back down to where it was once people kind of read it and got sober. Uh, only computers would believe this. And we've seen this. Ha- actually, a couple of news services did believe it as well and had to retract. But we've seen this a couple of times. Uh, last year, Avon Products, a company called PTG Capital, filed an SEC disclosing that said they wanted to make a hostile bid for Avon at like 100% premium. And Avon stock rose by 20%. And then 30 minutes later, everybody realized it was a hoax and it fell. Uh, anyone who had done any work could read this, CPTG Capital was clearly a fake. They basically copied the best a bunch of TPG Capitals, which is a huge private equity firms, copy and pasted a bunch of their stuff and changed it to PTG. If you called their phone numbers, all their phone lines were dead. So what I wanted to say was, as an individual investor, if you can read through the headlines, a lot of times your advantage is not the headline. It's not just looking at a number. It's applying critical thinking to that. And that's how you can take advantage. Maybe short Avon on a fake buyout rumor, short Tesla on a fake Model W rumor. But those types of things are really where your edge lies. Applying critical thinking, not speed thinking through things.
1: Uh, Unlike every other market, unlike New Jersey uh, car dealers, I would like to say that this world needs human security analysts Mm -hmm. and that we should probably ban, discourage, or regulate away these computers trying to take away jobs from honest arbitrageurs and hedge fund managers of the human (laughs) ilk. Um, uh, I'd also say that when there are these either fraudsters or computers that are screwing it up, uh, if you can find the securities that they're trading, taking the other side of that on the way back down, uh, you get to profit, you're not breaking the law, and you're trading against a dumb computer.
0: Exactly the point. Nobody's ever going to protest. You you made money by trading against that dark box that tries to take advantage of little illiquid uh, retail investors. Anyway, I think that's all the time we have for today. Again, if you like this podcast, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, if you already follow us, please rate us. Uh, Let's hit our disclosures. Chris, I am long a little Starwood, ticker H-O-T... I think you're along a little uh, Syngentia, Did we mention that? I'm not I'm sure. All, I'm, I'm, I, I, well, now we did. Um, so uh,
1: since you just mentioned it, uh, so this is a. Oh, uh, we were, we're supposed this to is a self, This is a yeah. reflexive disclosure. <laughs> now that we've disclosed Singenta, uh, we do own it, yeah. which we otherwise hadn't mentioned. Uh, a little bit of Starwood, and I am just just a, just a smidgen, a smidgen, if I could say, a smidgen of Terex.
0: A smidgen of Terex. All right. Well, those are our disclosures. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to us, and we will talk to you next week.